to Shine, Love and Light on today. We're talking about relationships. My name's Penny Van Sloos and I've got Belinda Bailey. You're a bell though, aren't you? Either bell, way. Either bell, way. Belinda. <laughs> um, I'm the founder of Discover Your Wild and in my past, more recent past, always in your corner. And I just love bringing women together to talk about those topics that ashamed or taboo or we just don't speak about and I invited Belinda to talk to me today because I feel like relationships is one of those things that we only talk about when it kind of goes bad um, or someone's um, really you know you feel really really safe and maybe you might share with a few a handful of people but I guess wanting to see you know is there another way we can be looking at our relationships and my kind of journey, I guess I realised, is we haven't really been taught this stuff. This is um, something you can seek out either when things are broken or you have to kind of think, no, this is something I really want to learn, um, which is part of where I am at. But, you know, I'm pretty inquisitive and, and I have the time and interest in it. What about everyone else? So maybe in our conversation today, we can kind of shine a light on some actions people can take and how you got into it and what you're offering that might just make it a little bit more safe and interesting and available for people to talk about. So thanks for coming and sharing. <laughs> pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I mean, I, you know, relationships and taboo, two of my favorite things. So I know it's a bit <laughs> sort of sexy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so Belle, how did you get into, um, you know, we'll start with that. How did you get into this sort of space of being an expert on relationships and Let's go from there. There's two, there's two stories. One is that, you know, I, I was always knew that I wanted to work in, in the area of psychology. And we were talking a little bit before how I got into transpersonal psychology, which is a, a type of psychology. It's where kind of Jungian psych took off, you know. Um, but when I was young and I wanted to do psychology, nobody did what I wanted to do. And so I was going to go and do a regular psych and then, and then just do my own thing. And then I literally stumbled across transpersonal psychology because it was relatively new in Australia at the time. And that's how, that, so I, I stumbled into it, I guess you could say. And I worked as a therapist. But tell us a bit about what transpersonal psychology is first, because <laughs> I've studied four years and I didn't even know. So this is yeah, kind of a new space. And yeah. yeah. So transpersonal means beyond the personal. So really it takes into, like I said, it's, it, it kind of, um, launches off where Jungian psychology was was kind of going and it takes into account things like archetypes takes into account uh, things like um, personal guides or intuition dreams a lot more I mean psychology regular psychology does look a little bit at dreams but they have a very kind of narrow view of how you look at it we look at um, one of the most interesting aspects of transpersonal psychology is looking at that kind of differential prognosis when it comes to um, uh, mental illness. So what um, is often termed as a mental illness in regular psychology and transpersonal psychology, we look at the, the symptoms and then we will um, kind of guide that back to where the issue is coming. And there's a belief or an understanding that the psyche is a, um, a self-organizing principle. So if left to its own devices in an entirely safe um, environment, it will always come back to homeostasis. But we don't live in an entirely safe environment 
at all. Like even in your own home, it's not yeah. safe. You know, you've got bills, you've got the wolf at the door all the time. So um, certainly over in um, in the UK, there's been a long history of um, transpersonal houses where people who are having uh, what would be called psychotic episodes are able to go there and be... Um, be uh, supported 24 7 with no intervention except for perhaps like you know helping to guide them with their dreams and listening that kind of thing but no medication and no diagnosis and they have something and don't quote me here but it was some from memory it's like a night between 90 to 98 percent success rate of people coming through the other end completely 100 percent fine never needing to be medicated or hospitalized and almost always they come out with an extrasensory ability so it, it's really, I mean, that's kind of the, the really deep and dirty part of transpersonal psychology that really gives you an idea of where it comes from. Great. Yeah. Now, it's important to say, though, that uh, I always try and say, in transpersonal psychology, there's no idea that, oh, you should never be medicated and you should, that, that's not the, the plan at all, but there's just that whole other faction to it that we don't get in regular psych. But it's sort of, it's not just in your head, like a lot of psychology sort of thinking about the mind and the power of the mind, this is actually going beyond, which is a different way beyond use the body a lot um the body mind connection and yeah all those kinds of things i mean there's millions of stories i could tell you that are super interesting but they might you know yeah, take yeah, we'll get okay. Next <laughs> one. um so yeah back to your how did you get into this oh yeah so the other the other story is that i just had the worst relationships in the world <laughs> um well actually i started working as a therapist and i should say that um over time and not too long you know i mean i've been doing this for 20 something years i just everyone that <laughs> the majority of people who came to me ended up coming to me about relationship things. And so, you know, you just kind of go, Oh, this is, this is where I'm going, you know? Yeah. And, um, I didn't have great relationships. I grew up in a household that was relatively unhealthy, well, very unhealthy actually. And I had abusive experiences as a child. And then, um, my first marriage, um, was, it was great to begin with, but it ended terribly. Um, the communication was awful. We didn't know what we were doing. We loved each other very much. There ended up being um, infidelity, um, a devastating experience when I found out that he was having an affair. He blamed me for that and I took it on, completely took it on. I thought I was awful and bad and it was all my fault. And then I, um, we eventually split up and I found myself that desperate and dateless person in my 30s which is who I'd never wanted to be that was my greatest nightmare and um and I really really struggled deeply and I realized however at some point you know amongst the real kind of awfulness of it like I was I was not in a good place and but I got to a point of realizing that I had the tools to actually do something about this not only had I worked with so many women in relationships so I had kind of a whole backlog of information to use but also I had the skills in pattern detection and psychology and um, I'm neurolinguistic um, educated as well so I just you know I kind of sat myself down and said okay well let's let's work this out yeah. and and I did and I started to really work it out so already I've been working in relationships for a long time but this is when I kind of pieced together the patterns that women had that were common who were able to to attract really good relationships and then cultivate them and maintain them and I started to find some very very interesting and common things and I started to apply it to myself and then to some girlfriends and I just I was getting really profound results and um you know, I was looking at things, not just how to, well, initially I was looking at how to have a healthy relationship, but what I started to discover was amazing because I started to really find some deep 
I guess the only way to say it is kind of like ancient wisdoms and truths that were so innate in us as women, but had been bludgeoned out of us through our society and our cultural narrative. Mm -hmm. And as I started to notice them and wake them up in myself, it was so easy because it was really different to what we'd done and I'd done, anyone had been doing, but it was so innate. And so I found the same thing happened with the other women that I was sharing this with. It, it would just awaken really easily and feel really natural and really powerful. And it's just, it's created in me and the women that I've worked with a completely different paradigm of relationship that's healthy, but also it feels natural. Yeah, that sounds so exciting because I think, you know, some of the work and what I feel around discovering is that innate wisdom, that the natural way we've, we, we are as women and how we're up against sort of, you know, a uh, <laughs> constraint and stuff. And maybe that's my next question, you know, um, is around like why is it so challenging for us to talk about relationship? Uh, and just before we do too, I guess... Initially, I was thinking, you know, relationships for people listening might be their their partner, you know, a, a lover or a husband or something like that. But I guess it applies to any relationship you've got with work colleagues, family members, in-laws, you know, these sort of communication and, and um, skills that you're using, we've, we can apply to everything, can't we? Hundred percent. The women, the women that do my program, we focus it on our intimate relationships because it's like, well, let's just go in for the jugular, you That's know. What and- really <laughs> but what you'll find, and if you speak to any of the women that have done my work, they'll tell you that it filters out without needing to try it because you're changing your relational blueprint. So it just changes with everybody. And it is, it does relate to anyone that you're relating with because relationships are relationships, but intimate relationships are just that they're so much more personal and you go sorry, aren't they? Like you're going to get to the juice more quickly for so many reasons. And, and, you know, um, one of them, not, not the, um, one of them is that we've, we put a lot on them, you know, like there's a lot riding on our intimate relationships because we get caught up, our intimate relationships become our sense of self, our identity in the world, our financial stability, you know, it's like our business plan for life, all that kind of stuff. So those ones are just particularly um, loaded, but yes, it filters out into all of them. Um, and now you, your question was... Um, was around like, the why do, we, why do we feel so constrained to talk about them? Yeah. What's this? Where's this taboo coming from? Like, where is it inappropriate to ask someone, or where is it inappropriate? You know, why is it we feel like I oh, better not burden that person? Or I think in a relationship too, you feel like you're almost cheating on someone if you tell someone what's going on in your relationship. Yeah. Like, that's not my place to share that we're not actually getting along, or we're mm. fighting, or there's a mm. or whatever. Um, yeah. So. It's systemic. There's so there's so much involved. Let me try and pull out a couple of the ones that I think will be most relevant to your listeners. And I think that um, one of those, well, one of them is something that you just mentioned yourself, and that is that we feel like we're cheating on our partner. So we don't live in a society where it's um, very natural to be vulnerable and to share vulnerabilities um, because we've been brought up to be pitted against each other. So we've been brought up in a society that's very competitive. And so um, exposing any sort of vulnerability makes you vulnerable to the you, to your opposition. You know, we generally walk I around like, it, isn't it? Like there's that, oh, they might start talking about me. And yeah. Yeah. And we, 
you know, okay, let's go right back. Let's go, let's start at the very beginning. You know, um, if we look back to, you know, very, very ancient times when we lived in a very unsafe world, an obviously unsafe world, men were there to protect us from being, you know, bludgeoned. And the women were there to keep the family together, that connect those relationships. But fast forward to now, we, we live in a very masculine dominated world. So it is about competition. So that, that's the, you know, the masculine way of being in the world. So we've been brought up as women as well to be in competition with each other it's not natural for women to be in competition we're more collaborative in our true nature but because we've been brought up that way we are always on the lookout for someone who's going to try and get the better of us because that's how you win you know you see someone's vulnerability and you go for it so exposing your vulnerability at all is just frowned upon so we tend not to do that uh, and the other thing is uh, that that's one aspect and the other thing that i feel is really important to add there when you mentioned that um, we feel like we're cheating on our partners when we talk about it, we haven't learned or been guided into our natural and much more empowered way of communicating in the world, um, which is more self-oriented. So the way that we generally communicate in the world is um, projectionary based on the other. So if someone was to talk to their girlfriend, if I was going to go and talk to my girlfriend, if I wasn't me and if I hadn't done this work and I was going to go and talk to my girlfriend about my husband and how he, what's one of the things that he does that I don't like? clean up or something. I don't know, he does clean up. He's good at that one. I want to give you a real one. Um, oh, that's yours. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, so he's yours. You're the no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Happy so, <laughs> so if we talk, if we talk to our girlfriend, we say, oh, he's such a lazy so and so and it pisses me off so much he he obviously doesn't care care about how busy i am and the things that he think you know his needs are obviously more important to him and he never listens you know he doesn't remember and it doesn't prioritize it and it, he expects me to do it all the time you know and it's not fair like just because i'm the woman mm. he expects now everything i just said i've thrown my husband under the bus <laughs> Yes. I've made it all about him and how he doesn't care. I've mind read, this is why he does it. Yeah. And it actually is not very nice to do that. And I wouldn't want somebody speaking about me in that way. That makes me feel awful. Um, but this is because we haven't been, as I said, guided into our natural, more innate way of collaborative communication, which is to make it more about me. And the feminine way is to be self-focused. But of course, we're told that's really bad. So a much more um, natural and healthy and empowered way for me to have that conversation would be to say to my girlfriend, I am at my wit's end. I feel like I'm always picking up after my husband and I don't know what to do about it. It's got nothing to do. He doesn't make him bad. It just talks about how I feel about the situation. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's actually a really, and I'm sure that your husband wouldn't mind you saying that to your girlfriend either. Yeah. But then how do our girlfriends respond? They also haven't been trained in the way to speak that's more loving and innate and, and empowered. So the response, even if I said, oh, you know, I feel really crappy. I don't know what to do about it. And her response would probably be something like, yeah, well, he's a lazy bastard. All men are. You know, or men just think they're more important than we are. And so I actually, when I'm working with my, my girls in the very beginning, I often say, please don't ask advice from your girlfriends when it comes to your relationship, unless they've done some of this kind of work and they're on the same page, because it's only going to perpetuate an unhealthy way of communicating. Oh, so good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> gold already. Like we're sprinkling gold around. No, that's so cool. So yeah, it's taboo because we've, we've, 
we're put into a, a structure that's teaching us or not teaching us effectively, is it? Precisely. It's um, really challenging when you, you don't have a way and even like you said a support structure that's kind of reminding you to say hey hang on hang on, hang on. how are you feeling about this not what's it's not about him it's like what's going on for you and yes you know I gotta tell you Penny I reckon 90% of the work that I do with women is reminding them yeah yeah okay but how do you feel about that you know and and this is something just for all your listeners you know if your girlfriends come to you and start you know complaining or, or throwing their partners under the bus uh, bring it back. Keep bringing it back to them. That's the, one of the most supportive things we can do for our sisters who want to learn and grow in their relationships. Yeah, awesome. So I think that's one of the things also that I felt is sometimes when you learn about something and it's it's a bit broken, say, you know, a family member's in a, a, a relationship crisis or someone you know about and how do we support people who are going through this you know like what are the questions we can say or how can we be supportive without sort of saying something's wrong with you and you need to go and get help or you know, what are the options what are the things that are available i mean you're an example um there's counseling like people kind of wait till it's really bad yeah and then sort of go help and might go to someone who do i go to what are our avenues when we're, we're sort of Sean, that things aren't working. I guess. It's do you really... mean? Do you mean for a friend or for ourselves or both? Well, maybe both. Yeah, like if we can touch on both. Um, yeah, because sometimes it might be an awareness, like suddenly a wake up. Hang on, I'm actually not happy in this yeah. relationship. Yeah. What do I do about it? I don't necessarily want to go through this, you know, on my own. Who do I go to reach out for? And equally, sometimes it's like, how do I reach someone who I know might be struggling before it yeah. kind of yeah. really, really fall off? Yeah. Good, good, really good questions. Um, I think the retrospective help is is great, and we can do that. But let's say upfront for anyone who's listening, who's who's either single or in a relationship, that's okay. Get a support network now. You know, we need to normalise having support for relationships. I think that's the kind of you know key because. We are sent out into the world, you know, we do years and years of training in how to be, you know, whatever, how to be a lawyer or how to be a, a, a chemist. And then we're allowed to go and do that thing. But we're not given any training in how to navigate the most complex thing of anything in this world, which is personal relationships. There's no training. Yeah. So it, it, it actually, we need to get our head around how that doesn't make sense. We need to get our head around the idea and where does that idea come from that we're supposed to just go out into the world and be happily married. And yeah. I can tell you where it comes from. It comes from Hollywood. Yeah. It genuinely does. It wasn't until the very early 20th century that romantic love was even a thing. Before that, people who had, who were like in a romantic situation, romantic love, that people thought of it as a sickness or an illness because it made us go crazy. And relationships were a business mm. so that sounds very unsexy but <laughs> it's it's important to remember this because all of a sudden we've woken up one 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 day with the industrial revolution where we no longer were having to till the soil constantly and do all that kind of stuff and we had spare time so we were able to pursue these romantic notions which is fantastic but there's no training in it there's no education in how to do it we just started to do it and it hasn't worked very well i mean all we need to do is look around us and say relationships don't work very well and you, you know look at all your friends i mean how many friends do you know who are in a relationship where you're like, oh, 
such a good relationship. Yeah, that's not Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, right. It's true. It's true. We're, or or you wonder, or there's just sometimes like a a beautiful Instagram feed of a relationship, <laughs> and you wonder, or you see, suddenly like it hits you in the face. Actually, that they're separated now. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So yeah, we're not actually giving people a real version of ourselves. No. And, you know, so we need to understand that if you want to have a healthy relationship, like if you want to be successful in any area of life, if you want to be masterful, dude, you've got to do some learnings and trainings, get some skills. So from the beginning, if you want to be in a relationship, start now. That's the best answer. If you're already in a relationship and you wake up and you go, this isn't working, what am I going to do? You need to seek out some... and seek out professional help you know and we'll get to talking to friends in a moment but realistically if you wanted to learn how to be a really good basketball player but you're not very good you're not going to go and ask your next door neighbors about it you're going to go and get a coach you know so you need to get some professional help and the same thing goes with friends in all honesty my first recommendation is if your friends going through it and they clearly need some help find and don't just say, go get some help. If you can offer them some real advice, like check this person out or check that person out or look at this you know, article or read this, this resource, that's going to be the best thing that you can do. And the reason for that is unless we're trained, when we advise people through about anything, we're going to do it through our own filters. Yeah. So and you can't you can't give unbiased advice to somebody. So the best thing you can do is offer them resources and if you if you want to be what there for them emotionally just keep saying you know keep bringing yourself back to I hear you I feel you and hold them without trying to work it out for them and that's where we all human beings especially women will go wrong we'll try and go oh but did you try this or did, then did he say that <laughs> yeah really if you can refrain from doing that unless this is going to sound like a plug. It's not. But unless you've done some really intensive training like the work that I do with women or something of the equivalents, just don't even go there otherwise. Um, I think something that's really important to add here, and I know we've spoken about this a little bit, so I know it'll be of interest, and that is one of the other things that we need to do. So up front, we need to recognise that relationships take training and um, skills. So we need to learn what they are. The second thing is that we need to take away from our idea of relationships, which will help them to be healthier and also help us to approach the challenging situations more effectively, is to remind ourselves that a failed relationship, well, what is our definition of a failed relationship? I was almost going to ask, what's a healthy Like, How do we even know is the relationship we're in? A good one, right? Like, is this worth keeping, <laughs> or is there something kind of fundamentally like a foundation that's not there that I kind of have overlooked? Or I think you know, sometimes you you look back and go, oh, I I can't really tell. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so how do I know if I'm failing? You know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. How do I know that this? I need to kind of amp up the work. Like, there's something here that's because I think we don't have other than Hollywood, a kind of role model, do we? That, and I mean, even them, I watch these movies and go, seriously, they should just talk to each other. Why do they slam doors? And I know, I know. The, you know, this one, I can't remember where, um, 
they literally write letters to each other for like 30 years and they've loved each other the whole time. I'm like, why the hell didn't someone just That's the notebook, surely. Is that the notebook? It's going to be. I don't know. It was something. Yes, I love you. I don't know. Because we're crazy fucked up when it comes to relationships, you know, like we're so terrified of being hurt um, because we don't know how to be vulnerable with any sense of safety. I think they're Hollywood. They kind of want that story out. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So we've got no role models. We, we can't sort of gauge, actually, this is a bit dysfunctional because no one else is sharing what's going on. Can't sort of see it in ourselves. So one of the answers, I mean, you answered it yourself again, get a role model. And how do we get role models? By, well, yeah, by <laughs> thinking out people who are excelling in that area. So people who do the work like what I do, you know, follow them, listen to what they're saying, watch their things. You know, so many people give out free resources these days. It doesn't have to even cost you a cent to follow people who are genuinely successful in that area. Mm-hmm. And then if you have any friends who are genuinely 100%, you know, you look at them and go, I want to be, I want their relationship. Hang out with them. You know, we rub off against each other in that way. But um, the other thing that, that I, w- I want to mention that's really important is we need to recognise that what you were saying, what your question about, you know, how do we know if it's healthy? How do I know if I'm failing? We need to, first of all, take away the big elephant in the room that a failed relationship is when a relationship doesn't last until death. That's just such bullshit. Like, it it is just so wrong. That's not a failed relationship. You know, so for instance, my first marriage, it ended in infidelity. There was a massive failure in that marriage because we were together for 10 years. And the last two to three years were devastating. They were so detrimental to my soul and to his. But prior to that, it was a wonderful relationship. Mm -hmm. We were young when we got together and we really just grew in different ways and we didn't know how to navigate that with each other. So that relationship, those last few years made me feel like it was a failure and it was to a degree because we really hurt each other a lot. But now when we talk, and we're still friends now, we're quite close, we talk about how we were, we're so lucky that we had such a deep love and that we can still be connected and we have such respect for each other. So all in all, that wasn't a failure for me. It would have been a failure had I have stayed in the marriage and been miserable the whole time. Yeah. That's a failure. So, you know, people want to know, how do I know if it's time to do something about it? How do I know that this is an issue? It's such, a, it's such an interesting one, Penny, because don't you reckon that... You know, if you're single, when we're single, if we're unhappy or we're a bit depressed or things just don't feel right, we we try and work out what it is and we we bring it back to ourselves or we blame our work or we blame the fact that we're single. Then fast forward to being in a relationship, if we're feeling, uh, what do we generally blame? Like, what's the first thing we look at? Oh, my husband's not doing this. We're just not meant to be. We're not, we're just not a good match, you know, like, or we tend to make that the first thing. So. I think it's really important for us to maintain a sense of um, sovereignty in our relationships. And that means taking care of our own sense of happiness and our own sense of identity in the world. And if, if we're not feeling happy uh, on a day-to-day basis, we need to inquire, is this, is this genuinely coming from my relationship or is there something within my life elsewhere that's not working for me? And, and tend to that as well, not only, but tend to that as well. 
So it's kind of like a self-inquiry, but it's also, I think you're opening up this idea and people may or may not be aware of it, that we aren't made complete by someone else. Like there's that whole, that's again, Hollywood, isn't it? Like you complete me and I'm not a person until I've met my match and we've ticked a whole bunch of boxes. Even like I can't be a mum until I've done this or I can't be, you know, blah, blah, blah. So this, this idea that we can't be, and I've heard it recently, I thought it was really beautiful, like two trees growing together, but still with their independent foundations and roots and they're not the one, you, you don't have to kind of be the one tree. Yeah, I think it's roomy. I think that was that's yeah, yeah. and they he talks about then yeah to be two two trees growing side by side, and he then goes on to say you know the pillars that hold up the temple that they're, they're not together. If they were, the roof would fall. They need to stand apart. So let the winds of of love move between the two of you. You know, and it, and it's true. You need to keep a sense of your own sovereignty and and be maintaining your own sense of happiness. And that's not to say that every relationship's fine and good, no. but we do, we need to have that self-inquiry. Without that, you can't even get to the point of actually looking at the other parts, can you? Like it's much right. harder to, with an unstable foundation of your own to even look at where where to begin or how. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, you were talking about um, the completing us, you know, the whole idea of soulmates. It's not, I'm not a fan of soulmates. Well, I mean, there's the thing too, isn't it, like, we've been sold that you have to find one person and then that's it for life and but things come up in life and um again that's going a bit into failure maybe we could quickly go into this idea of failure in a, a relationship and and there's always a lesson to learn i'm you know that's or even the shame i think the shame comes from failure doesn't it when i'm a failure because someone chooses to leave me particularly I think that fear of being left or embarrassed by the fact that someone would want to leave don't know yeah yeah and I mean look that brings us to vulnerability again right and um I think one of the beautiful things with shame is that it is an opportunity to grow you know when we feel shame about something it's because we feel like we've done something that is against our own set of values. And it'll make us, um, isn't it also will make us not accepted, like people will shun us, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so I think one of the most powerful things we can do in that situation, it's healing, it's empowering, it's growthful, not only for us, but for the people around us too, is to take that feeling of shame and to look at it and recognise it, first of all, acknowledge it you know, as a part of ourselves and say, oh, you know, I see you and I see that you're, you know, I see how you're feeling and I see that you're feeling um, embarrassed. That's a great word. And I want you to know that I'm okay with you. I'm okay with this part of you that you don't want anybody else to see. Now, as soon as we accept that part of ourselves, the part that had an affair or the part that knew something was going on but tried to ignore it because I didn't want to be alone. Mm. And we say, we take that and we tell it, I'm okay with that, you know, I, I accept that. And one of the ways that we really um, can show ourselves that we accept that part of ourselves is to then 
share that with others. We need to be careful because there's been a little bit of a popular idea around vulnerability that we should just find out our most vulnerable thing and then scream it at the mountaintops to everyone who'll listen. And that is not what we're supposed to do. But to then take that vulnerable space and with your closest girlfriend or your sister or the person that you feel um, most safe with, heart pumping, you know, blood rushing through your veins, sweaty palms, say, saying to them, you know, I think I feel a bit ashamed of what's happened because I knew that this wasn't working and I stayed in it because I was just too scared to be alone. Immediately healing happens within yourself. Mm -hmm. And what used to be a space of shame becomes a space of power because, you know, that the feminine way too, we need to remember is about those dark places and there's so much energy and so much power that's caught up in these places that we, we keep hidden. So bringing it to the light first within ourselves and then within a safe container with another it is makes your shame your power. Yeah, awesome. I was going to sort of, and I think you suggest, well, how, how do you go to those darker places? You know, because that's, I think, what we do. We sort of hide it under the carpet and just pretend or like the elephant in the room, like we just kind of ignore it when what is it that you know what are some techniques and ways we can start to look at it and acknowledge it even if it's just for ourselves like you said just to kind of talk to yourself um you know what are some techniques or what are some things that people can do because that's part of it isn't it and then to be even able to go to someone like you and say i think i'd love to learn more around this yeah take something you can't just do that straight away yeah look i think again i'm going to bring it back to building a to normalizing the experience the relational experience I think again I can't I can't stress it enough I really can't and that means you know how do we do that reading books listening to people like yourself following people um, and build, basically building a community around yourself that supports healthy relationships mm. because this is going to feed our unconscious and start to reprogram our, our pathways to make it normal that if and when we get to a point that we need to do something like what we're talking about now, which is very scary, it's a lifeline. It's a much shorter jump to, to take. So we need to do that, whether your relationship's good or not good right now, or you're single or in a relationship. So let's come back to that to begin with. And then, because realistically, Penny, you know, if, if I was somebody who was, you know, like, 44 and I've been married for 20 years and I you know I used to work as a pharmacist and I've just got a you know you know my life's all together I've got a few kids me and my husband are fine we built a house we've had this great life it's all been very but now all of a sudden I want more and it's not working for me and and for me to then for, for me to then tell to tell that person well, what you need to do is tune into the part of yourself that you're not wanting to listen to and you need to give it some love and listen. They're going to be like, what the fuck? Like what? How? Okay, I hear you, but, and they want to, you know, right? It's really challenging. So that's why I say, again, it's really important to first create a little bit of an environment around yourself that normalizes this experience. It's, it's so even the relationships that you've got with others, you know, it's with yourself, but it's your girlfriends or the people you're choosing to spend your time with, not just your intimate yeah. partner as well. Exactly. You know, very quickly, I want to give a really quick anecdote. This 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 comes back to transpersonal psychology. Um, one of my colleagues, this is a long, long time ago, um, worked with this woman who was a prominent lawyer and she had been having some 
scary experiences. She went to a psych and they told her she was having a psychosis and she needed to be institutionalized. Anyway, very high powered woman, like very successful, very um, institutionalized herself in the way she did things. Anyway, she came to see my colleague. I can't remember how it happened, but anyway, she did. It wasn't part of her normal life. And she told him what she'd been telling the psychs. And that is that she was hearing voices. I mean, this is an archetypal, right? She was literally hearing voices and the voice was saying to her, you need to go and what was it? she described the voice came from a bird and she described the bird to a T and that it was telling her that she need to go and sit in a, in a lodge. And all the psychs are like, you agree? And of course, you know, my colleague, because he was a transpersonal psych, he would, he then explored what was coming up. He spoke to the voices, all that kind of stuff. And what we discovered is that it was a very, very specific symbol. It was an archetypal symbol from um, one of the North American tribes. And it was telling you to go and sit in a lodge, which is a sweat lodge, which she'd never heard about before. He facilitated for her to meet people, talk to people. She'd listened to recordings back then. It was before podcasts, read books. It started to normalize it for her. And then she went and did the thing and did the lodge. She had a, a profound experience. She remains a lawyer. She's, um, she, but she has this whole extra part of her life and she's much happier. But what I'm getting at is, that had she not had have um, had normalized that experience, created an environment around her, other people who to this was normal, mm. she would have thought she was crazy and she would have put herself in an institution eventually and she would have suppressed a very, very important soul or spiritual emergence that was happening for her. Cut back to relationships. It's the same thing. Mm. If we're not happy in our relationship and we want to start making some connections and we want to grow our relationship and grow our relation, relational self, if we're surrounded by people, and I mean our friends, our family, the TV that we watch, the books that we read, the radio that we listen to that's still propping up this false idea of what relationships are going to be it's going to be impossible for you you are going to feel crazy and you won't be able to do it you need to have lifelines you need to normalize the experience by you know surrounding yourself with information that speaks to that I love what you're saying i think it's making so much sense even a bit on relating to myself around the spiritual journey i've been on because it's like oh, I didn't even know this existed. So then you're, you're uncovering people, you're uncovering podcasts and books and it's like, yeah, there's this whole other world, a whole other way. So you're actually inviting people to realise there's a whole other way of us relating to ourselves and our lovers and our partners that we're not actually given any access right. to at the moment. That's right. And, you know, I could sit here and tell you, and I will, <laughs> like some ways you can do this for yourself, but, you know, it's like, it's like, telling someone to go and practice doing pirouettes and they've never seen a dance show before. It just, it just makes it so much easier. So for, for, for someone to now who's you're starting to hear these things and your listeners are clearly people who are becoming aware of this kind of, um, this kind of reality around them and they have a community if they're listening to your podcast and they have a community building around them. So the next step is to, that come back to that self-inquiry. First thing is self-inquiry is, you know, that niggling voice. We're usually trying to ignore it because we think it's going to be really scary and bad and wrong and shameful. So we need to have, um, we need to have admitting it to yourself. Courage. Courage. And, you know, the word courage means to tell one story with their whole heart. So have courage. Listen to your whole heart. 
And even though you might be afraid of what it has to say, show up for it. You know, I read, um, what's it, Dr. Seuss yesterday with my son, the river of solar salute or something like that. And it's all about the fears coming up and, and how to face them in the end. And I highly recommend it to anyone. Dr. Seuss is an amazing fellow. Um, but it really is about having the courage to ask ourselves that question. Okay. What is it that I'm, that I'm not listening to? What is it that I'm trying to avoid in myself? And it might come out in a really inelegant way. Like I fucking hate my husband. I actually hate him. And I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Allow that. Mm. Recognize that your relational self is, is immature. The, the maturation process for all of us has been sorely thwarted at about the age of three or four usually. So when you finally let that voice speak, it's going to speak in a, probably a disproportionate, immature way. And if you try and fix the way it's speaking off of that, it's going to shut up because it'll feel judged. So just let it speak out and know that the first things that you hear it say are not necessarily the end of it. Mm. You don't have to go, fucking well, hate my husband. What was that? Well, you know, like if you hear, oh, I fucking hate my husband, you might go, oh, I better hide that away. That's really big. Can't deal with that. Exactly. Precisely. Not the end. Beginning. Yeah. And, you know, if you know children, you'll know that they'll come and say, I hate you. I hate you. You're awful. And I, want, I want you to go away and never come back. And that's just, they just need to get that off the top. And then with presence as a parent, with presence, with calmness, with openness, they will eventually relax enough and feel safe enough to tell you what's actually going on. And it is precisely the same thing with our relational selves. It is immature and we need to sit and be willing to hear it. And that's when you'll start to get the gold. That's so good. That's so good. So would you recommend journaling or it's just, is it meditation or I don't know, just even a bit of self-inquiry every now and again or... Look, there's so many different techniques that people do. And if, if you have your own practice of self-inquiry, just apply that to your relational self. Um, and if you don't, then journaling is a great way to do it. For some people, that, that's a good way to uh, get out of their head. For some people, they feel like they just get more mental. My recommendation, if you're going to use journaling as a tool, is to force yourself to write three full A4 pages in one sitting what will happen is you'll get to a page and a half and you'll say, oh, I've got, literally got nothing else to say. This is silly and I'll put it away. But hear my voice in your head saying, keep going. Even if all you write is, I hate this, there's nothing else to write, this is stupid. What will happen is that you'll click into the unconscious, which is what we're trying to get to, and it'll start to come out the things that you're unaware of. But up until that point, when you've written everything that you think you've got to write, that's only the conscious stuff. There's no gold there. What about people who's a little bit scared of that, even that process of what if someone finds what I'm writing or, you know, is it, is it something that if you've never journaled before, you're scared about your, you know, intimate feelings around your relationships being found, just destroying it or like it, it doesn't matter. It's just that process of unlocking and, and letting flow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, and unless you have your own journal practice, when I first start working with people, I generally recommend that you journal and then never read it again. Mm. So it's not to look back on and, and work things out. It's actually to unlock your relationship to your unconscious self. That's otherwise just not very developed. And so if you are genuinely frightened that someone will read it, then 
yeah, destroy it immediately. You can type it and delete it if you like. Prefer uh, my preference is to encourage people to handwrite because there is a connection that happens when you're using your handwriting to the unconscious mind more quickly. But I also also always suggest that you do it in the way that you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. If you put too many barriers to it happening, then it won't happen. Oh, such good tips. Um, I guess just wanting yeah to make sure we've covered anything. Is there anything that you feel that people you know come to you for that we don't you know haven't covered so far? Like who who would generally find you know your work really beneficial that may not even think they need it? Kind of you know like. Yeah, well, like I said, um, you know, I have, there's definitely two kind of um, groups of women that I work with. And one is women who are single and wanting to find a relationship. And generally women who, you know, who are pretty successful and, and got their shit together and, you know, know what's going on in the world. And, but I'll just, I can't make a relationship work. And often women in that um, kind of camp often find that they attract men that are, are maybe aren't very masculine or they aren't taking charge. And, and that kind of thing. So women in, in that area often come to me so that they can make sure they cultivate within themselves the capacity to attract a relationship that's going to fulfill them this time. But then on the other hand, women in relationships, uh, I think very often is what you're, you've brought to the table today is it's it just not, it's not feeling good. And I either want to leave it or I want to stay in it. Often women who are like at the last kind of throws, it's like, if this doesn't work, I don't know what's going to work. And they really want to give it their all. And at that point, I've got to say, a, a very large majority of women that come to me in that, in that space end up transforming the relationship. And the work that we do is on their own. You don't need to do it with, the, your partner doesn't need to be aware That's of it at all. I was going to say, like, do you, ha do you have to kind of engage your partner, say, I'm feeling this? This can still be something that you do. Entirely on your own. I mean, of course you're going to be relating differently to them. So then they change and that's generally what happens. And there are those, there are also some times when the women that I work with, it's really ripe and ready for them to leave their relationship. And then we can uncouple consciously and we, and we go through a really beautiful process and they end up staying very good friends with their partners. Um, so there's really that kind of those, those two camps. And I think that, um, again, you know, the best thing that women can do in either one of those situations is, start working on it now you know start developing your relationship skills now wherever you are and again women who uh, come to me at the ends of relationship tend to develop these relationship skills and the relationship if it's, if it's going to dissolve it will dissolve in a really beautiful and loving way and then these women almost always find themselves in a new relationship quite quickly um but it's because those skills they've been honing those skills and they just you know kind of generalize into the next relationship mm. so I love what you said too because there was sort of this suggestion that a relationship can evolve because I was going to share that you know mine's sort of 21 years old at the moment and it I mean even in that time I've seen it evolve in that we didn't get married till we'd had a child and that was 14 years ago you know so there's there were times of us being single and traveling for nearly two years we've had young children now they're in their kind of preteen teen but I was commenting to you how we're into another stage too where both of us well I'm making some different choices in my solo life you know and then how's that impacting on us together what's next for us so it's very much something that I'm kind of going 
do I have the skills for this next phase? And, and I'm wanting to have those skills and I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, another way. Like, yeah. my thing. <laughs> I think where you are is amazing, Penny, because so many women can relate to this and it's normal and it's natural and it's so, it's just so normal that you know, our phases of life are so different and the way that we approach them as a unit, so as a, as a partnership, um, it's going to change. It has to change with the changing way of life. What I see happening in a lot of kind of traditional couples counselling, couples therapy is um, doesn't work because there's this lot of like negotiation. It's like, okay, well, let's get you guys together. We'll negotiate. Well, I need this. Well, I can do that bit, but not that bit, but I'll do it if you do that bit. It's like this really contractual negotiation. And I just think that it, it sucks the soul out of any relationship. And what I tend to encourage women to do is instead learn the skills within yourself in how to communicate in this collaborative and feminine way and how to relate in this way. And then when you're doing that, what will happen is that your husband, it's like this, it's like an energetic dance. And as you step into this polarity, your husband is going to be drawn along and the feminine is the negative pole. So it draws, it attracts. So wherever you're going with it, if you're, if you're, being empowered if you're expressing in an empowered feminine way you're going to draw your husband into that orbit with you and more often than not that's what i see happen with couples who do this work and it might come then to the point that you know you're orbiting together and so you know it's working but there's some little creaks or little creases and that's when i will sometimes work with a couple and you if you speak to anyone that i've worked with as a couple you'll find i don't do much or say much because they've already got this kind of um energetic experience together and it might just be a little bit of a tweak or an, uh, um, an expression to say, oh, this is what they're saying, or that's what they're saying. And then it just all kind of happens. And then they orbit again together. That's generally how I would get women in your position to work is to learn that skill set. And, and how can I get you to learn that skill set? I mean, in, in all honesty, it's not something you click your fingers with. It is, it is, it's an intensive work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a commitment because you're, you need to not only learn the new skills, but first you need to unlearn the old programming and really unravel that. But what I can say again, the best way to do that is to get the soil ready by surrounding yourself with information and um, role models that reflect what you're trying to do. Yeah. No, that's really exciting. Cause I think, um, yeah, we've been given this idea that you work at something. I mean, there's even like pre-marriage counselling. You get together and then life, you sort of set off on this, I don't know, fairy tale path. Totally, totally. But things will pop up, the way you relate to, you know, tragedies can happen, COVID can happen, you know, yeah. all sorts of things. And then I guess you feel potentially guilt of like, but it was good. Like, why would I even, you know, look at all those 15 years we've had amazing, but right now I'm not feeling something or yeah. I'm scared of what the future might hold because they want this and I want this or something. So I think, you know, for a lot of us, it's how do we, how do we have it all? We're also taught we can have it all too, aren't we? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, have it all. I mean, that's a whole other, it's a whole other thing because what does that even mean? And, you know, when we think about, I want to have it all, I want to have this, 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 and this, generally, if we dig a little bit deeper, we'll find those things are just the conscious mind's sort of um, picture that it's created as to what it means to have 
the thing that I really want, which is a higher logical level of those things. So, you know, I want to be successful. I want to travel the world with my career. I want to have a loving husband. I want to have a family that loves me too. I want to have holidays with them, but I want to go out with the girls as well. I want to bring something new into all, all these things is what I want. But do, if, do I really want all those things or what do all those things give me? And if I really tune into what all those things give me on a more, on a much deeper level, I recognize, well, success plus love, you know, all these things. I want to feel, for me, what that gives me is a feeling of um, contribution or a feeling of excitement or a feeling of, you know, whatever it is for you, it's going to be, it's going to be different for everybody. But when we can connect to that high logical level of the thing that we really want and we can keep coming back to that, then we find that we naturally make our choices within our relationships and within, within everything in life. And I guess it gets simplified too because like, Love. I don't need to be grabbing at everything and hoping that that's the one thing that'll be like the missing puzzle almost. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because we might think, I want to stay with my husband until we die. Like, that's what I want to do. You know, I really, really, really want that. Well, how do you know you really want that? So, if he becomes an absolute dick, do you want to stay with him? The, the reality is, why do I want that? I want to stay with my husband forever because I want to feel like I've had a successful relationship or what for? Well, because I want to feel at peace in my life. When on my deathbed, I want to feel at peace. Like I've made good choices. Ah, well, there's something that I can actually stick with because that changes the whole narrative, doesn't it? Or it opens up the narrative. And so therefore my unconscious mind is going to start making choices within my relationship. So that at my deathbed, I feel at peace. Like I've made good choices. That's so beautiful. I think if that was like a takeaway for us too, <laughs> let's make good choices in our relationships that are aligned with our soul calling or, you know, what feels right. You can make that choice day by day, can't you? It's not like I have to project. My parents had an 80 year relationship or whatever. I have to have that too. You know, there's, we're not comparing. We're just going by what's good for us at the time. Yeah, we need to get aligned to how we want to feel in the world. And I think that's a really important aspect of life in general and certainly applies to our relationships. For me, I like to feel at peace. It's a really high value for me. So knowing that when I have a choice to make every day, for me now it's an unconscious thing because I've practised and practised, but when I make a choice each day like do I do this or do I do that or do I say yes, do I say no, it's always kind of, um, I kind of like check it out as to how that's going to, is that going to make me feel more or less peaceful? Mm. And same within our relationships, you know, you know, we're asking, oh, I don't know if I want to do, how do I want to feel? Well, I want to feel really fulfilled. Okay. So if I'm at the point, like for yourself, if you're at a point where there's, I want to do different things and he's kind of cool where he's at. And then the conscious mind clicks in and all the ideals that have been pushed upon us, like, oh, but we're supposed to do it together and we need to be on the same page and all that kind of stuff. That's all bollocks. It really is. And at the end of the day, what's really important is the higher logical level. Why do I think I want to stay? Oh, he needs to be on the same page as me. Oh, cause I want our relationship to be really uh, fulfilling or really peaceful or really loving, whatever that is. So, I go, oh, okay. So, what if us being really loving and fulfilled, it didn't matter if we were on the same page then? That's a possibility, right? It's freedom, isn't it? To have that to go, oh, I'm not trying to be like that. All and I want is that. And then he might get on the same page, he might not. But your choices are then limited to what you think it's supposed to look like instead. And you might find that 
oh, he's not on the same page as me and I'm not, and I'm feeling really unfulfilled in this relationship now. It's, it's really not fulfilling me. Well, that's true too then. And that's the time to say, well, this isn't working mm-hmm. for me. But we need to take ourselves out of the limited idea of what it looks like rather than what we want to feel like. So beautiful. So beautiful. So, Belle, we've given people like a bit of an insight into, you know, how we can um, look at this sort of part of our lives, be a bit more curious and um, maybe remove that shame. Like, hopefully even just listening to this makes people realise that it isn't something to be feel they've failed at or they're not good enough at or, you know they don't do relationships as good as so and so or anything like that that you know this is all something you can learn and it's no one's fault that we're in in a pickle if you are in a pickle and all that sort of stuff um how can they reach you how can they kind of work with you you've said you know there's other people around there too that they feel drawn to you know get curious and follow if you've kind of spark something they want to get more how do they do that sure um they can go to my website belindabailey.com um probably the best place to go um my uh, my facebook page is probably a great place i'm starting to get onto insta oh my god it's such a it's such a nightmare i'm like my my team are always like oh insta and i'm like oh yeah forget about that one anyway there you can yeah. check that out. but a, a good place to start doing this work with me is at the moment and it, it, it won't be for a long time because we have we're launching something new but i am doing a master class monthly and people who join that you get the first one for free and then i i, I can't remember i think it's maybe 16 dollars or 18 dollars so it's not very much at all to really great entry point if you want to work with me um so you can find that on my website as well is that like an hour long yeah Yeah. so it's an hour long live class and because i'm not i haven't advertised it yet so it's basically just word of mouth which means that it's small and it means that everyone who comes has an opportunity to ask me questions live so you can email them to me prior and i will often answer them in the in the group Um, and I do it either anonymously or if you're happy for it to not be anonymous Um, and sometimes I'll work with people one-on-one in that group and you know that's I it's I don't work with people one-on-one unless they've trained in all my programs and what have you that I take a few on so it's a really rare opportunity to get to work deeply and personally with me Um, and a really great way for people to to tune into this kind of work that's not a massive commitment. Um, But, you know, other ways to do, like I've mentioned, get on my website, look at my blogs and anybody else that you resonate with who's in this space. But don't just listen to them because they're a relationship expert. Listen to them because they have have something that you want. Mm. You know, that's a really good way to kind of to kind of go about it. Make sure they've got something that you want and uh, then listen to them as much as you can and as many as you can. So cool. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up, let people kind of organically come to you and um, can they email you? Do you have an email or is it a contact? They can can if they like, but that's all on my website. There's a contact form there. So it's just easy to remember my name, Belinda Bailey, and you can get all the details there. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all, you know, little insights, wisdom, being willing to talk about this. I love, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's your work, but I love it when I reach, you know, with someone who's, who's got gold to offer and I'm so grateful you're willing to share it with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. I mean, you're doing an amazing job bringing all of these, these juicy and taboo topics to the fore. So I'm super grateful to be a part of it and had fun. And if you've listened and you know someone who would love to 
hear what we've uncovered and chatted about today, relationships is their thing, or maybe they'd be interested um, in, you know, a whole range of different topics that I've covered. Do share the shine, love and light on um, with them and like and review it and all that sort of stuff. The more people we can share it with, the hopefully more love we're sharing in the world. I'd like to acknowledge the original custodians of the land that we meet on and that you listen on and pay your respects to their elders past, present and future. Shine your light to shine.